Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Well, praise the Lord. Thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. How about you? I'm going to ask you to join me this morning in the book of Revelation. We are going to conclude our series uh, this month of the big story, uh, Revelation chapter 7, we're going to be reading verses 13 through 14. While you're finding that, I want to say Merry Christmas to everyone. I'm thankful that you've decided to be in the house of the Lord with us this morning. We began our series with God's divine plan in the big story. Pastor talked about the necessity of yielding to God's divine plan. And Brother Rayleigh followed that with the choice that brought bondage. When we discuss the bondage of sin is brought to our lives when we make wrong choices. Brother Jerry Herndon then followed that the following week, talking about the necessity of receiving the redemption that Calvary offers when he spoke about redemption made available. And so this morning, from Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, we're going to talk about being forever set free. Who wants to be forever set free? Not just once, but forever. The Bible says, Revelation 7, verses 13 through 14, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir... Thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. Verse 17, for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I know we pray, but would you just lift your hands one more time and let's ask the Lord to anoint the word. God, to our hearts, Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for this place. Lord, we thank you for your mercy that has brought us here one more time. God, we stand before you now needing you to touch our hearts and our minds. Anoint us together, Lord, both to speak your word and to hear and receive it. God, we love you and we thank you for it, God. And we'll praise you for it forever and ever. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Patmos. 
the Isle of Patmos. It's here where we find the Apostle John sentenced to be exiled and forgotten. But thankfully this morning for you and I, this is not the end of John. This is not where we find him defeated. This is only a temporary setback. We don't find him in defeated status on this cold, deserted island. No, we find him exiled. We find him, no doubt, cast away. We find him perhaps forgotten by some and even left for dead. But we don't find him discouraged. And we don't find him jaded. No, we find him in the Spirit. And it's on the Lord's day. Set to receive and deliver the greatest foretelling of what will become. It is here in this moment that we find him depending on the only thing that will sustain him and that will sustain his walk. And I say even ours. It was not food. It was not sustenance. It was not water. But it was the power of the Holy Ghost. As John whispered words of worship, he was transported away into another realm, a spiritual realm, with voices like trumpets, visions of seals and angels. It was all beyond the scope of human reasoning. But John was poised to witness the final act of the greatest story that has ever been told. He was given a glimpse into things never seen with the human eye. And he was privy to occurrences that up to this point no man had become accustomed. Beasts, frightening scenes, and spirits going forth to conquer amid these sights so specific that they could be counted, that they could be inventoried, and that they could be categorized. One unusual sight is set before him. Instantly, John understands that the scene he is watching unfold is a crowd of people, the magnitude too enormous to number. And as he scans the multitudes of people, awestruck, he could see from every tribe, from every nation, and from every ethnicity, some that he was even unable to place, a mixed multitude, a crowd too innumerable to number, but one signifying and unifying factor that connected them all as one body. Revelation 7, 9 through 10 says that he beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb. And this is what unified them. They were clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and crowd with, cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. At once, all of heaven responded. The elders, the angels, and four beasts that surrounded the throne fell to their faces and proclaimed, saying, Amen, blessing and honor and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be unto our God forever 
and ever. Amen. As John peered into this crowd of people, and as John peered into the time that was no more, an elder pushed forward and turned to him with a question. He said, Who are these that are arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? John takes in the scene and simply shook his head, pondering the question. He sensed the sovereignty of the moment, and all he could offer was, Sir, you know. And so the elder nodded, and he proclaimed, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation, and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. He continued, Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger, they shall neither thirst. The sun will not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And here again the promise, God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. With that, the seventh seal was opened, and a silence fell across the celestial stage. In time, the vision would unfold further with wonders almost too great to comprehend. The vision reached its conclusion as John fell to his face at the appearance of Jesus himself. Perhaps he even wept. Perhaps he even pondered the reason why in the realization of what just happened as he must come back from that greatness of such rich communion with Jesus Christ Himself. Soon John would be forced to realize again the cold shores of that desert island of Patmos. Soon he would have to realize again the exile in which he resided and the agony of isolation. But there's always a but. As John began to pen the words that would bring things to light that had never been seen. Another realization came to the heart of John that out of all the suffering and out of all the pain and out of all the midst of the things unable to be uttered comes a promise to generations to come. Comes a great promise to generations to come that even out of the struggle and out of the reality in which he lived and even us. John pins the words that brings hope to us here even now today. That hope is simply this. Jesus is returning. Heaven is real. And every tear will be wiped away. Hear me. The promise is sure. The prophecy will not fail. Even though it may tarry, it will come to pass. Every promise is yea, and it is amen, and every promise in this book is ours. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Every promise, every promise in the book is mine. Our story this week concludes on a stage so grand that it sweeps all the way around the globe. As the news of the resurrected king 
of Jesus began to spread, ramifications rocked the very essence of what made the world go around. So much so that the spectators of this renowned occurrence would say with those involved that they are they that turn the world upside down. You see, this story, it carries a surprise twist. Unlike any other literary journey or any other literary project or Greek tragedy, this story does not end in tragedy. This story is no ordinary story. You see, the writer of this story, he upset the formula that had already been set forth. All the unwritten rules of storytelling are broken in this story. You see, the twist in the plot is unveiled as the hero emerges victoriously from the grave, more powerful than death itself. Now, surely, the story would be over. Surely, the curtain would fall and the narrator would announce the end. But no such thing happened and no such thing occurred. You see, the drama shifted to Jesus' inner circle of chosen men as they traveled across the world stage to proclaim that very story. That this is not over. And that everyone in contact with us has the opportunity to be a part of this story. It took them to an upper room on the day of Pentecost. And as they tarried there and prayed, fire appeared over each of them as the Spirit of God fell upon them and filled their hearts. The audience that gathered among them watched as the stage was set for a transition of dispensation. People represented from around the world heard their native languages being spoken as a sign of the Holy Ghost as it was covenanting with people from every walk of life. I'm, I'm thankful today to tell you that God's Spirit was poured out in the New Testament for every person. It was poured out on all flesh, no matter their background, no matter their color, and no matter their creed, no matter their position in life, whether they found themselves low or whether they found themselves high. God's Spirit was poured out for all mankind. Can I tell you today that that same Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost is being poured out in our world today? It is not dead. It is not locked up in the pages of a novel. It is not just scored away in the annals of history. But God is still establishing His covenant with mankind as we speak. Let me tell you this. He's not just... just doing this with whole congregations of people, although He is. But God is making covenants with individuals. When you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're not just joining a crowd. You're not just joining in some membership. But God is covenanting with you and you alone. It is it is a personal relationship with him and I would admonish every man, every woman, every young person in this building today not to leave this place until God either fills you or refills you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see there fact of the matter is this we're all in flesh. We all live in the same human flesh. And we all live in the same fallen world. And so no matter where we are 
in life, no matter who we are, we are all going to face trial and we are all going to face tribulation. We will all come into contact with it one way, in one shape, or in one form. And so I tell us today, why not have the greatest gift that has ever been given to humanity? Why not possess the greatest weapon that God has ever placed in our hand? Why not take advantage of the Holy Ghost and His power? So as the new day dawned, the early believers began to go around the world... They preached. They proclaimed the message of Jesus Christ. They were filled and they were endued with power from on high. They preached. They proclaimed. They promulgated God's saving message. This message was and it still will be eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. However, not unlike any other story, Not like any other tragedy or drama. The drama strikes again as the antagonist of our narrative once again fights back. Opponents to the message of the story spring up. They wield political power and a reign of physical terror as they attempt to decimate and shut the mouths of the storytellers. In horrific scenes that drive us to shield our eyes against the violence, they begin to be indiscriminately martyred. And in addition to the violence, it is difficult not to shudder as we realize this central theme and this central message is that the path of the believer is not without conflict. Acts 14 and 22 said that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So I understand that this is Christmas And we should be talking about great things and wonderful things. Not hardship. Not decimation. Not tribulation and trial. But I'm sorry to tell you today that that is simply a falsehood. We are going to face tribulation. And we are going to walk through seasons of life. Hardships. We are going to walk through roads that are marked with uncertainty. It's not difficult to see that even in the life of Jesus Christ Himself, not to mention Calvary, not to mention the cross, not to mention the tomb, but His entire walk through this life was marked with uncertain events and with difficulties and hardships. It was Him that said, I have no place to lay my head. It was Him that stole away into secret places. It was Him that was in the Garden of Gethsemane as He prayed and and sweat dropped from His forehead like blood as He said, let this cup pass from Me. And so I I can, without doubt, say that we can all agree, everybody in this building, that no matter how long we've lived for God, how long we have walked this road, there has been times like these. Roads marked with uncertainty. Not knowing what is around the next bend in the road. Although I believe that we could all agree that we are walking through troublous times and tumultuous times and that we have walked through times that we didn't know what was going to be around the next corner. I believe 
that we could all stand here unequivocally at the same time and that we could all agree that even though we see such things, God has always seen us through. He's always brought us out and He's always been by our side in every circumstance and in every scene. Albeit indiscernible at times, we can all agree that the peace of God can just somehow filter into a situation and bring us comfort and strength. It was no different for the cast of characters that are set before us today. Jesus visited them in a very uncertain and tumultuous time. And He brought them what they needed. Now, please don't take me out of context. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm certainly not being sacrilegious. But He didn't come in to just hold their hands. He didn't just come in and they just had a, a good old time. Somebody got a guitar and they just sang everything away. That's not what He did. No, God brought them what they needed. He brought them instruction. He brought them the equipment for the time ahead. He readied them for what would stand before them to tell the story, to take it to every nation, to take it to every color and every creed. The Bible says, He said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, here's the promise, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so that commission, that mission that was brought to them has been transferred to us. And we join them both in conflict and in responsibility. Although we may not share in the same physical threats to our lives, we are likewise on a journey to share the story with everyone that we come into contact with. We too, like with them, are on a journey to be what God has called us to be. So while centuries may separate us, we are connected and we are conjoined in a mission and we have hope that one day we will meet them because we all share in the same destination and a greater hope. It's all in God's divine plan. It's all in God's divine order. And if we just freeze the frame here for just a second and step back and look at Scripture as a whole, I believe we can find that divine order and that divine plan. So we take a look at the full scope of Jesus' story spreading around the world. The narrative begins to explain the behind-the-scenes direction of the altar. All the scenes combine to explain the overarching story from creation to God's present covenant. As we view Scripture as a whole, we learn of Him. And as we view Scripture as a whole, we learn of His desire. You see, the story of Scripture, the big story of Scripture, shows us that God is the sovereign creator and ruler. 
from His creation of the stars to the planets to human beings ourselves, we are reminded that it all began with God's divine and sovereign plan. Colossians 1 and 16, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And so, as we step back and see Scripture as a whole, we see that God's divine plan created everything. The next thing that we see in Scripture as a whole is God's love for that creation. He created it. He made it. He took time. He spoke the worlds into existence. He took everything and He made it good. But then He took time with that man. The Bible says that He formed him and He breathed into him the breath of life and He loved for him and He kept him. 1 John 4, 9-10 through 10 said, In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that He might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. And so from God making a way of escape for the first humans, to His covenant with Abraham, to a manger where He humbled Himself and became like us, it was all to bring one encompassing story to the world. It was to bring hope of eternal relationship with Him. You see, that is God's design and that is God's desire. His desire is for us and it is for us to be in relationship with Him. You see, God made us and He loves us. But He loves us way too much to leave us where we are. To just suffer the way we are. He loves us way too much to just watch from afar without saving us from our own mistakes. You see, throughout every scene of every act of Scripture, He has been working to draw us closer and closer to Him. Humanity, closer and closer to Him. Can I tell you today that I believe that that is what God has been doing over the course of these last services. God has been working and God has been planning and God has been orchestrating and God has been drawing to draw us closer and closer to Him. We cannot survive without being closer and closer to Him. The more we walk in this life, we must walk further away from the world and closer and closer to Him. Because His goal, it was and it is to provide a way for us to be redeemed and brought into right standing with Him. Titus 2 and 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us that we might, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify us unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And so finally, the story 
of Scripture. The overarching story of Scripture is that God uses redeemed humanity in His mission to redeem others and bring them into right alignment with Him and His Word so that we can be with Him for eternity. Now hear me today, and I mean this with great respect, and I say this to myself first and foremost, but that is a revelation that we must get a hold of more than anything else in this hour. We believe truth. We believe that there is one God and that there is one Father of all who is above all, in all, and through all. We believe that the truth of God's Word will prevail and we will proclaim it. That there is only one God and that we must be baptized in His name. And we must be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. But it does little good to just believe that and then sit down on it. But we have got to realize that God has given us this testimony and God has given us this revelation so that we can take it to the four corners of this earth. We must understand that God has saved us so that we can then allow other people to be saved. We are redeemed for a purpose. And what we've talked about here today is not a fairy tale. What we've talked about here is not one of Esau's fables that we might read to our children at night before they go to bed. No, what we've talked about here is not a a literary project that someone took on to see if they could just write a long book. No, this is the Word of God. It is forever settled in heaven and it will prevail. What we're talking about here today, we are living out in living color. If this book were continued to be written, there may be some people in here that would be written down in this book. It's been stated numerous times, but if the world is not big enough to carry all the things that could be written in that book, it just wouldn't hold it. And So what we are doing here today... It's not a program. We've not come here to see someone stand up behind a pulpit and fumble through words and stumble over his own self and then sing a few songs and say amen and go home. No, what we've come here to do is eternal. What we've come here to do will live past this moment into eternity and what we have come here to do God has orchestrated every line and every scene from the beginning to the end and he's done it with one central purpose 2nd Corinthians 5 and 18 and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation now now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God, for He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made righteousness of God in 
Him. Hear me today. We are all in this. We are all together in this. We are ambassadors for Christ. And can I tell you that there are no little characters. There are no extras in this story. Every man, every woman, and every child in this building matters to God. And everyone has a part and a purpose in this story. Everyone has a part in the overall plan of God. It is to bring the world into reconcilement with Jesus Christ. It is our mission. It is our co-mission to bring the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. Not only did Jesus sacrifice himself to rescue humanity, he then empowers humans to minister to each other. And all these truths play out, not in a simple start-to-finish children's story, but in the grand scheme of humanity. Not only is God without beginning and ending, not only does He reside in eternity, but hear me today, He desires for us to be in eternity with Him Continually. You see, this grand story, this master plan, is for all of humanity to go beyond the bounds of time and to live in eternity with Him. However, it is very easy for our eyes to gravitate to the cares that are around us. It is very easy for our eyes to gravitate to the earthly rather than the eternal. But when we focus on the temporal things of the world, we will fail to recognize that God's divine plan is that we spend eternity with Him forever. You see, He's placed eternity in our hearts. He's placed eternity in mankind's hearts. It's just like Brother Bobby talked about this morning when they built the Tower of Babel. They were doing that to build a tower to heaven. They were attempting to make a name for themselves because man needs a God. Man needs someone to rule and reign over him. And God placed the desire of eternity in us. Brother Rayleigh talked about this two weeks ago. So anointed as he stood here and talked about how God held that fleshly human man and began to breathe into him the breath of life. When he did that, he placed eternity in our hearts. But for that transition and that transaction to take place and to be grounded and founded. There is an equation that must be met together. It's only completed when we are baptized in His name and filled with His Spirit evidenced by speaking with other tongues. We are baptized into the kingdom but then the kingdom is placed into us when we are filled with His Spirit. And the Bible says that if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, that He'll call you home at that great getting up morning. It's here. It's there in that moment that God's plan is utterly fulfilled. It is fulfilled when the eternal life is placed in us and we spend eternal life with Him. 
our musicians, if you'll come, I'm coming to a close. God gave John a vision of eternal hope to come. In Revelation, he painted a picture of our eternal rest in heaven. John saw an innumerable host of people from every nationality who bowed before the throne. But those believers, those men, those women, those children that John saw entering their reward first came through great tribulation. That's what the Bible says. They came through and out of great tribulation. However, in that moment, they stood spotless before the throne because they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. You see, their reward, John described, is a promise that we have here today. That reward that John described in his writing gives Christians of all ages hope today. You see, in heaven, the hardships of surviving life in a fallen world will all be gone. And God will dry all our tears. And we will never have reason to weep or agonize again. The daily struggles of this world, hunger and work, and coping with things as inherent to our survival will simply be no more. You see, the Lamb will be in the midst of us and He will care for us and He will feed us and He will take us to rivers of living waters. Most important, we will desire no more because we will have everything that we have worked for. An intimacy and a communion with Him forever. Not houses, not lands, not riches, not gold, not silver. Those things will corrupt. But eternity with God will not corrupt. We will be with Him forever and forever and forever. And He who sits upon the throne will dwell among us. What hope, what great hope we have here today. And I believe that as John penned the words, perhaps he thought back to the first act of this big story. When Adam and Eve in the garden transgressed against God. When they went against His Word. When they went against His best interests for their lives. And they received their judgment and their punishment. Even though they were cast out. Even though there was a flaming sword at the entrance of that garden. Preventing them from ever being able to walk back in it again. At that very moment, God was orchestrating. God was planning. And God was preparing another way for us to make it back to Him. Perhaps while He was with all and longing, John joyfully conveyed the vision 
of returning to a place of total access with God and to God. Forever redeemed and forever set free. If you want that today, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you want that today, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands to heaven and just ask the Lord to touch your heart. We have been given the opportunity to enter into the divine presence of God. Joy has come into our hearts because He has come. He has lived. He has died. He has risen again. He has ascended into heaven. But what great hope we have here today is that He is going to return. God is going to call us home. And we are going to live with Him for eternity. Forever and forever and forever. Come on, lift your voice to heaven. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.